This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the October edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. At a time when Bridgeport, once again, is convulsed with political scandal, intrigue, and double dealing, it's the arts that are bringing new hope and life to downtown. We just saw the premiere of CPTV's Where Art Thou? series on the art and artists of Connecticut that focused on Bridgeport artists. WPKN has just announced its move in mid-2021 from its current location inside the University of Bridgeport into a new renovated space above the Bijou Theater in downtown. And Bridgeport Downtown Special Services District is at work with two new mural projects, one inspired by the legacy of Mary and Eliza Freeman, leaders of Bridgeport's Little Liberia community, and the other a tribute to Bridgeport's musical history on the building that housed Paul Leaker's studio. More great good news for Bridgeport is the move and recreation of one of the oldest artist spaces in Bridgeport, one of five in the city, the Nest Arts Factory. The Nest is moving into new space, a renovated 19th century corset factory close to Brewport and just off Park Avenue in the South End, just below downtown. Over 40 artists will shortly be working in this new space. With us today is Jane Davila, an artist herself and the managing director of The Nest, to talk about this move and the impact of this newly reimagined nest of artists on the neighborhood and on Bridgeport in general. And joining us also are two longtime nest artists, visual artist Rick Schaefer and singer and songwriter John Torres. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. So Jane, uh, tell us what The Nest is. Uh, where did the name come from and uh, how did it all start, get started? Um, well, it's interesting. It was um, more than 25 years ago at this point. Um, our executive director, Vic Malaire, had a sock factory on Railroad Avenue, um, further down, closer to 95, uh, closer to Black Rock in the west side. And um, because his factory was the first that used um, digital knitting machines to make socks. Um, wow. <laughs> he could create, he, his company could create patterns in the socks themselves. It required him to hire artists to design the patterns or the designs, the graphics that would be in the socks. So the, I'm sorry. This was when, way back in the 80s, 90s? 25 years ago. So it was about yeah. 25 years ago. Right. Um, and so he had a building that he owned um, that's very near to the new renovation of the Cherry Street Lofts in Bridgeport on the west side. And um, because artists would come in to collect their assignments or, or their checks or to talk to him about the work, they would see this beautiful old factory and think to themselves, this would make a beautiful studio space. And um, and so he had extra space in the factory and he would rent it out to the artists as, as studios. 
And then eventually he sold that factory and we moved to our current location, which is on Fairfield Avenue, also on the west side. And um, and shortly thereafter, the economy collapsed because that was uh, 2008, yeah. 2009. Um, and he ended up selling the sock business itself, but he still had the lease of the building, um, the second floor of that building. And because there were already artists there, it made sense to kind of continue that business model and expand it and create a lot more artist studios. So our mm. building has been total artist studios for quite a number of years now. And, um, and I've been there since 2013. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's like an interesting evolution how something would come from something that's a little more business-like, but the artists are there and then it expands into something that's much more devoted to the arts. And what about the name, The Nest? Oh, the name. So some of the original founders of The Nest were people like um, Peter Consterly and um, David Flynn, um, Joe Provey. And so that original group of artists who was exhibiting um, in, in the gallery space that they had in that original building had come up with this name on their own. Um, and I didn't realize it for years, but it stood for Northeast Space Time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but the word nest is such a good evocative word. You know, you right. think about incubating and growing and, you know, all of that sort of thing. That's great. So um, how would you describe like the feeling of the current nest? What's its character? Um, what goes on there? Um, how's it different from other artist spaces? I mean, there are, you are one of uh, five artist spaces in Bridgeport, correct? That's correct, yeah. Um, so how are they all different? And, and what's the characteristic, would you say, characteristic style of the nest? Well, I think they're, they're all slightly different business models, right? So ah. the Weeds art space is a live workspace. And right. so that's different. You live where you work. Um, the two buildings that American Fabric owns um, are majority artists, but also have some businesses and creative businesses within them. And I believe that's the same for um, 305 Knowlton Street, that there's also creative businesses in addition to being artists. And, and, our, and the Nest has actually made the decision as a business model that our studios are all artists. So we're all professional musicians and professional visual artists. Right. We, have, um, we have an application process that the artists have to go through um, to be accepted into the community. The selection committee is made up by artists in the community. Um, and it's just, it's, um, it's a little stricter, I guess, to get in but it also creates a more collaborative, more professional environment uh, where we've got a little more control over, you know, our spaces and what we're doing. We also are open to the public, um, well, prior to the pandemic, everything is BC at this point, before Corona. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before Corona, we were open to the public four to six times a year. Most of the other buildings are open once a year um, for the Bridgeport Art Trail, which is coming up, but we were, uh, open two to three times in the spring, two to th three times in the fall, um, because we wanted to give our artists more opportunity to show their work to the public and hopefully engender sales, and um, and also for the public to enjoy what we do. You know, it's really interesting to go into a building and see artists in their natural environment. And but also, um, it seems it's interesting that you have musicians 
mm-hmm. um, and we have one with us today. Um, this seems not um, not usual for, for m- most other artist spaces. No, and that is true. Um, but we really love our musicians, right, John? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and you know we have we I think we have a really really high caliber of musicians. Um, all of the musicians that we do have as tenants in the building are very professional, very concentrated on their career, very concentrated on their craft, their art, and um, and I think that they are an amazing enhancement to the community. Yeah, and yeah. we would be different without them. So I, I'm really grateful that they are part right. of the committee. So I'd like to bring John and Rick in here. Uh, you guys are currently one of the, what, 29 artists that have working space in the current nest. Is that right, Jane? Yeah, it sounds about right. Fluctuates, yeah, between 29 and about 32. Uh-huh. Um, so tell us each a little bit about your work, what you make uh, when you first came to the nest and what attracted you to it. Um, let's start with Rick. Okay. Hey, I'm hope I'm still on. I'm, I'm getting a strange connection here. Um, my connection to the nest, I, I came to the nest in, I think, 2012. Um, uh, and it just was the new at the new location it was just starting out uh, a lot of rough space. So I had to sort of pick a space in a big cavernous uh, floor, which was being carved out. Um, but the feeling um, was really great compared to some of the other buildings that I'd gone to and individual spaces. I just, there was already a feeling of community here, uh, even at that early stage. And uh, a lot of musicians, a lot of, uh, there were poets, there were writers, there were just a a great mix, eclectic mix, uh, which I thought was going to be great for me as an artist to have that kind of uh, interaction, um, yeah. even just in the hallways or something. And so, for those who aren't familiar with your work, Rick, could you just talk a little bit about your work? Yeah, I uh, I do drawings mostly now. Um, very often, very large drawings, uh, often in charcoal or graphite. Um, and uh, so I need a big studio, uh, and I'm going to have a bigger studio at the new space, which is <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I show in New York and LA. Uh, I'm I'm at a show. I'm coming up with a show now at the Silver Mine. Uh, that's going to be a really great show about my immigration and migration and stuff. So it'll be starting in uh, I think November through January. Oh, excellent! I can't wait to see that. Well, that's great. Um, and John, um, you're a musician. Tell us about um, your your work. Um, you're part sure. of Ocasius, is that right? I uh, was. Uh, that's the original band that, that I started uh, and, and that started out at the Nest. Um, but now uh, that band sort of has disbanded and or hiatus. And uh, we are, uh, my, my current band is called Color Fields. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and my, my history with the Nest is I actually, the old Nest on Railroad is where I started out. It was the first um sort of experience that I had with Bridgeport Studios. Um, it was a much different time, a much different space. It was, it was um, but anyways, I then moved over to 305 Knowlton um, for s- maybe a year and a half um, and finally landed at the Nest maybe sometime 
it's around the same time Jane and, and Rick are mentioning. I can't really remember. 2012, 2013 <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Color Fields is my project that I am, uh, it's a duo. Uh, it's myself and Scott Packham, both of, you know, we're both uh, housed there at the nest. And um, we've got a little kind of a 300, around 300 square foot studio. We're excited to, actually, I think it's less, about 250. And we're moving into a 400 and something square oh foot gosh. studio in the next. <laughs> yeah, so we're like, right. we're like, what are we going to do with all this space? <laughs> That's terrific. Um, so Great. we're re- and well, so the other the other uh, we're we're producers as well as music, you know songwriters. We co-write a lot of stuff. Our you know everything's co-written, and we also produce um, quite a bit of our own material. So uh, moving into the new nest, our current space is sort of more of a writing room, um, and the new nest space that we're going to we're going to be developing it more as a writing and production room. So there's going to be a lot of there's going to yeah. be a vocal booth. There's going to be a um, a lot of, you know, um, just sound proofing done so that we can yeah. get some really good, you know, high quality vocal performances, for example. Um, and yeah, so, uh, and, and Color Fields is doing really well. We just released our first, uh, our debut EP. It's a seven song EP. Part of it was produced here in Bridgeport by Peter Cadis of Tarkin Studios. Peter's a Grammy award-winning indie indie rock legend producer. He produced The National, Death Cab for Cutie, Frightened Rabbit, uh, Interpol. Um, and then the rest was recorded at a uh, platinum sound studios in, in uh, Tribeca by Jerry, uh, Jerry Wanda, who yeah. is, um, who is a, a, a pop pop production legend. He's also a four time Grammy winner. And he, he, he famously wrote the song, uh, co-wrote the song hips don't lie by Shakira, but among that many, many other things. So we have, we had a really great time recording that album and um, it came out on September 18th. We've been getting tons and tons of streams and listens that's great um we're great. approaching a hundred thousand hundred thousand views on youtube for our our biggest single pendulum and yeah everything's going great and we're just kind of keeping the ball rolling we're looking forward to playing live again that's really uh, oh, something yeah. we miss so we're, yeah. we're all keen on being in the audience for live events too. <laughs> yeah um so jane let's talk a little about you you're also um an artist uh tell us about your work and then and then how you became involved in the nest um, so I started out as a printmaker um, many years ago. It almost feels like a lifetime ago at this point. What um, kind of print, print, prints were you uh, make? Intaglios and, and etchings. Uh, yeah. Particularly. And, um, and then I became um, a fiber artist and I kind of worked in the field of art quilting and um, surface design. Um, so I ended up writing um, a bunch of books for a publisher in California and have been traveling to teach um, the topics of art quilting and surface design pretty much all over the world um, for the last over many years, since 2005. Um, and, you know, got a chance to travel to teach in Australia three times and South Korea and all over the U.S. and Canada. Um, also, that's all now still B.C. before Corona. <laughs> um, so we're all reinventing ourselves and trying to figure out how we do all of these things now that we used to do in person um, online, which is, is, you know, it's challenging, but it's good for us because it's we're all stretching. Um, so my husband and I, Carlos, um, my husband Carlos is a sculptor and a painter. And many years ago, when our daughter was really little, we had a studio in an old schoolhouse in Westchester. And it was small. There were only nine studios in the building. And it, there was a lot of drama. 
and not just because there was also a professional a performing artist troupe in the building um so you are uh, automatically get drama with performing artists. Right, right. <laughs> there was just there was okay. just drama all the time. There was it was hard to work because there was so much like inter artist fighting and spatting and nonsense going on, and there was not very strong management. And it was a good it was a good concept and a good idea. I love the space. Um, I love some of the people, but. It was not great for working. Um, it just took too much creative energy to deal with all the nonsense. Um, so we didn't have studios in another building for a very long time. And when we were selling our house in Ridgefield, we were looking for studio space and there's nothing up in that part of Fairfield County at all. There just isn't anything available. And so we started looking around and this was in 2012, 2013. And we looked at a bunch of spaces and we were on waiting lists for things in Stamford and Norwalk and, and looked at several different buildings in Bridgeport and ended up at the Nest. And we really, both really liked the space. And oddly enough, we shared a space for the first year or so, um, which now is like ridiculous to think. <laughs> I don't know how we, how we fit in that space. And us really works big as well. Yeah, but we did. <laughs> Um, and then when the space next to us became available, um, Carlos moved over into a new space and I stayed where I was, mostly because I had way more stuff than he did. Um, so when um, the, cur the, the, the manager at the time left, I became the managing director of The Nest. And because of my previous experience with the other art building in Westchester, um, one of the very first things that I was determined yeah. was that this would be a drama-free zone. Right. People pay rent to work, not to get involved in, you know, ridiculous things that are going on. And so it's really important to me that that the activities in the building and that the atmosphere in the building is very, very conducive to everyone working and everyone being creative and productive and successful. So it's um, it's it's something I, you know, as a manager, I work really hard at. Um, I also, in an, also in another life, managed a retail store for 20 years and had, ah. um, you know, 12 employees. And so yeah. team building and that type of management is something that I have a lot of experience with. And it, it sort of kind of translates, you know, team building is something that any group of people will benefit from, where you start to feel like, you know, you depend on each other and you count on each other and, and um, it's just, it's, it creates a good emotional atmosphere, right. you know, when you and work together. We should say that, of course, we didn't really mention this, but this is perhaps one of the chief characteristics of the nest that distinguishes it from others is that you do have, is that the nest does have a manager that works at uh, pulling everybody together. Um, and that's a sort of really, really, really of key importance, it seems to the, um, ethos of what you have there. Yeah, I would, I would like to think so for sure. I mean, what, one of the things too that we always are looking for are professional development opportunities. You know, we look for exhibits that the artists can apply to, um, you know, as a group. And we look for opportunities to learn. We learn from each other. Um, we learn from, you know, different things that I send out to people about uh, shows or uh, you know, how to manage your social media or, you know, also I think that's the, that cooperative spirit, that collaborative spirit is, is one thing that I think really sets us apart. Mm, excellent. 
If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our October edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our topic is The New Nest, the move of Bridgeport's The Nest Arts Factory, one of five artist spaces in Bridgeport, into a new home. With me today are Jane Davila, Managing Director of The Nest, and two of the artists, Rick Schaefer and John Torres. So, uh, Jane, your current home is the second manifestation of The Nest, is that correct? That's correct. And in what? Almost 25 years, you've got a, an anniversary coming up as well. Yep. <laughs> um, so what, what at this point in the evolution of the organization made it time, do you think, to move on, to look for another home? Well, one of the really big reasons was that we've, oh, we always have a waiting list. We always have a large waiting list of people wanting to join um, the, the building or the community. Um, and we just don't, we simply don't have enough studios available. Right. And, you know, and, and, it, and a concern is always cost, of course. Um, and so we wanted to find a space that we could expand into. The current space is 25,000 square feet. And because it was an existing factory, the entire front of the building were existing offices. And so there's a lot of very, very small studios in the building. And it's kind of difficult to eliminate them or um, combine them together simply because of the way the building is laid out. There are a lot of challenges to, if anybody's ever been to the nest, it's like a labyrinth. Yes. I can, yeah, uh, so I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first two, it took me two or three visits to feel comfortable that I knew my way around. I mean, really was quite a labyrinth. Yeah, so the building it's, itself had grown over time and you can see exterior walls that are now interior walls um, because it had been added onto over the years. It had started yeah. as a locomobile factory and it just kept getting added onto and nothing made any sense. So we have all these higgly piggly hallways to deal with. And right. so that was something we wanted not to deal with anymore. Yeah. So uh, jo uh, John and Rick, um, what about you? Did you have did, what were your feelings about um, uh, time to move on? Were you quite happy with the space or um, can you, um, what are the reasons uh, do you think for you to, 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 to look for a new space? Go ahead, Rick. Um, well, I, uh, I'm, I've got a great space in the existing building, but um, <clears throat> I actually saw the new building uh, by happenstance about four years ago or so um, when it was really rough and falling down and you know pretty not falling down but very rough inside and um, and I just fell in love with it I felt I was up went up to the top floor where the rafters and beams are exposed and the space itself felt so creative and so wonderful even in that rough state so I had put that in the back of my head and when we when we started as a group looking for spaces this building was still available under new ownership and, and I just uh, that top floor space that had this vaulted ceiling just seemed to really um, be an incredible uh, creative space for me so yeah um, oh. while I, I'm functioning now I'm, I'm really looking forward to this really more expansive space that I can work large and great light coming from all, all sides and it's going to be great 
And John, it sounds um, from what you said before that you have great ambitions, um, but the, your current space was, was not really satisfying. Absolutely. This is just, we're, we're moving into a larger space. It's also, I would call it a more inspiring space. It's just, um, uh, uh, Jane and Rick are both on the other side of the building, which has these massively high ceilings and, you know, it's very bright and area. Our, our, ours is not quite like that. I think ours was the old uh, boss's office. I, I, I can see a lot of, I can see a you know, gnarled hand holding a cigar, sitting at a desk, handing out pink slips. And if I really close my, the ghost of that guy is yeah. living there. Uh -huh. um, this new space is just, you know, it's, um, it's got the beautiful hardwood floors that we're going to be able to refinish. And it's also a blank canvas uh, that we can we can create. And that's just something to me that's, ah, oh, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. Right. Um, so that's that. But I mean, beyond that, it's also just in such an amazing neighborhood. I mean, this, the, 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 the um, south end of Bridgeport is one of my favorite. I used to live down there on Black Rock Avenue. Then we moved to the west end. So it's just going to be great to be back in my old hood. Uh, you got Brewport right nearby. Scott and I want to take a creative, you know, take a lunch and head over to Brewport, get a, get a slice of pizza and a beer. You got Seaside not too far, right? You know, if I ride my bike from my house and head over there. Uh, you know, it's just everything about it to me is, is, a, is, a, is a plus. Um, so we're just super pumped about it. So um, all of you, it sounds as if you had a sense of what you were looking for. And uh, Rick, I suppose, always had this place in the back of his head. Um, so it was pretty easy to figure out what, what you were looking for, Jane. Uh, well, we knew we wanted it to be larger. The idea was that it would be, you know, 35,000 square feet or higher. Yeah. We looked at a lot of buildings. This has been going on for three years now. This, this search started three years ago. Three years? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> all right. And we, we worked with a real estate agent. We looked on our own. We uh, contacted the city about city-owned properties. We have looked at so many bills. I would estimate that it was more than a dozen easily. Yeah. Um, and were they all in Bridgeport? Were you, 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 you decided to stay in Bridgeport? Yeah, it was, it was important to us to stay in Bridgeport. Although, you know, we, at one point we got very discouraged. We weren't really finding anything that we could afford. And um, we had contemplated moving elsewhere. And I think Hold the artist and everyone was not happy with that idea. So uh -huh. we doubled our efforts. Um, That's just uh, one point that uh, was interesting. Um, people often say that Bridgeport is cheap, um, that you get very good deals in Bridgeport, but did you have the sense that things really were uh, climbing, that the prices were climbing? Um, not so much that the prices were climbing, but there, so there's there's the classic thing that what an artist needs more than anything is really big, really cheap space, and and light. You know, you, you need the yeah. light, and and in order to get that, you have to give something up. You either have to give up neighborhood, or you have to pay more, um, or the building may not be as ideal, or it may cost more to fix it up. And so every building that we look at, looked at had some sort of a trade-off. We looked at some buildings with um, some of the local developers as well, and they would have finished the buildings beautifully and exactly the way we wanted it to, and were offering us, you know, for them, really good prices, but they were out of our price range uh, to, be able to do it. Yeah. So we really needed a creative solution that yeah. was inexpensive enough that we could really afford to be there. So it took a while to get to that point to find that that unicorn. 
And the artists were, in, did you have like an artist committee who were involved? Well, Rick was on the journey with me for <laughs> pretty much all of that. I, I don't think there was a building he missed. <laughs> um, and then there were a few buildings that, that there was a whole troop of us that went over to look at um, because it is important to get other viewpoints and input yeah. um, because everybody's got a different need in their studio and what they would deem the ideal uh, studio space. So it was good to get all those different viewpoints in there um, when we were right. But um, Rick, it must have been, um, I don't know, how did you feel when you, everybody came back to the place that you originally were excited about? I mean, had you been advocating for this uh, space all along? No, no, I was actually very quiet. I didn't think it was still available. Uh, ah. But everybody, you think, got tired of me. Every, every new building we looked in, <laughs> we ran to the biggest space and said, this is mine. So and I, was, I marked it off. I think it was tiring after a while. I did the same thing with the current building, but I think there's enough space in there that I could get away with it. Right, right. John, were you involved in the, in the search in, in any way? Um... Was I involved in the search, Jane? I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm just the beneficiary of an enormous <laughs> amount of work, a selfless work, as as are most people, maybe even unwittingly at the nest. Yeah. Jane has been, and I I guess Rick too, but Jane has been <laughs> just kidding, Rick. Jane has been just like stalwart and un, 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 unflinching, and like her efforts here to to find us a new space, and we're just like I said, we're just we don't deserve it, but we're getting it. So all right. So, uh, uh, John, uh, you started to tell us a little bit more about the specifics specifics of the place, but um, um, tell us about the new place. Um, what what really made you light up about it, um, Jane? Oh, me. So, one of the things that I love is the history of the building. Um, you know, as someone who who sews, and that that's you know part of the way I express my art is through stitching. The building was a corset factory, and. Uh -huh. And I love that connection to the history of it. Um, it was a building that was known as the Crown Corset Building and Crown Foundations actually still exists in Bridgeport, which I think is phenomenal. It's on the east side, um, I believe on Barnum Avenue. And, and just knowing that this company that, that started in this building in 1907 is still here in Bridgeport and is still creating things that women wear is really interesting. Uh, the building itself had a lot of women workers in it. Um, the census records actually showed that there were 500 people working in that building when it was at full capacity, wow. which now is amazing wow. when you think yes. that we're going to have like 45. Yeah. Um, and the building was also part of a very seminal strike in 1915 that is the reason that um, we have uh, uh, five-day work weeks and 40-hour work days now. So the women in the Northeast, in Bridgeport specifically, walked out of the corset factories in order to force that to happen through the unions and through the strikes. Right. So the, the girl energy in that building is amazing. <laughs> right. um, and the building itself is beautiful. It was basically a blank canvas. It had a few old interior walls, not much, um, it, but it was mostly a completely empty blank canvas for us to to kind of mold and shape into exactly what we need it to be. Yeah. So, um, John, you started to say uh, what you would be able to do in this new building. Is it basically just the space that will enable you to, to, to do more things? Um, you mean my space specifically? I think the building itself is, is, um, 
is going to be helpful towards us. I mean, Jane, uh, we've spoken a bit about, you know, community events and I think there's opportunities there for small performances, um, community events that could potentially involve our band um, or not, but just the, the, the coming in of, of the, of, of the community is going to be easier there. I think than ours just simply because of the location, the new, the, the currentness is, is totally great and we've really enjoyed it. But um, I think this building, as Jane said, is a blank canvas. We are designing it around our actual needs and, and hopes rather than sort of retrofitting a building right. with our needs right. and hopes. So we're going to have, um, it's, I think it's just going to be, it's, it's, it's like we're, we, we, we came together as this ragtag group in this building that has been so wonderful and housed us perfectly. And now that ragtag group sort of mobilized around a, a unifying uh, ideal. And we have now, we're, we're going to be moving into the next iteration of the nest, um, which is pretty, pretty cool to think about a 25 year history, um, you know, coming into the third, it's the third, uh, I don't know what you call it, but the third act of yeah. the nest. Yeah. And um, no, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really great. So um, Jane, what's next? You found this, you found this exciting place. Um, when did you actually sign on it? Uh, November, 2018. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> two years ago, you signed on it. So, <laughs> um, of course, COVID is a, is a major yeah. um, factor. But um, so can you tell us some of the memorable moments um, in wrestling with some of the difficulties or the, uh, in, in the, the, the positive moments of being able to design a completely new space? Um. Yeah, so I mean, it's been it's been quite a journey, and and the joke is now that I'm going to go into commercial real estate development. <laughs> I know way more about this than I ever needed to. <laughs> well, maybe you'll be a, a resource for others who are who are going to be who are thinking about uh, going on this journey too. Yeah, so we've been fortunate because um, Vic, as I mentioned before, he um, know he used to flip houses, and so he knows a lot about construction. Um, and I'm, I've done a lot of work in interior design and, and actually in um, remodeling projects. Um, my husband and I had actually rebuilt our entire house when we lived in, in Ridgefield. And, and the internet is your friend. You can research just about anything, including ADA compliance uh, requirements, um, freight elevator requirements, uh, all <laughs> sorts of things. I've, I've talked to code compliance experts um, all over the place. We've been up to Hartford several times to talk to the state building department about some of the things that we were trying to get through. The, um, we did work with an architect. I originally designed the floor plan of the building and then of course, oh. you know, had to go through an architect to get the, the, that finalized and to get it so that it would pass the building department. Um, I've made some really um, good uh, acquaintances, uh, resources at the building department and the fire department who have been really, really helpful shepherding us through this process. Um, I feel like I go over there all the time. And as soon as I walk in, they're like, hey, like Norm on Cheers. Hey, Jane, she's here again. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, they're- Hey, famous, famous bridge porter right there. <laughs> they're so patient and they answer my questions. And, and I, you know, I feel empowered by the process of it. Some of it is more frustrating than it needs to be, but um, because of all bureaucracy is. And, um, you know, but I appreciate that they're trying to keep us safe and, you know, we're trying to follow, we are following everything that they're requiring us to do. Um, lots of times things don't make sense, but that's either federal law or state law and there is no choice. 
So, you know, you plow forward and you keep going. Um, the pandemic definitely threw a wrench into things. And it wasn't so much the work because the workers were so, the tradespeople so delighted to have a job and to have a safe okay. place to come and work in because they weren't, you know, like our, our general contractor might have been working in, you know, 15 different places over the last eight months where he was, he's working in one place now. So instead of going out in and out of, you know, different places and being exposed to a lot of different people, he's actually in one place and exposed to the same small group of people all the time. So from a health standpoint, that's great. But the really big challenge has been materials. Um, there are shortages nationwide of so many things. Yeah. Our, our tiles for our bathroom, for example, um, should have been able to been ordered and arrive within the same week and they took three and a half weeks. Yeah. So every one of those um, delays cascades and pushes something else further and further and further. And anybody who's tried to do anything with exterior lumber since April knows that there has been no pressure treated lumber available anywhere. So there, it's finally starting to show up in stores again. And so our, um, our entry ramp and, um, and entry area is finally being built because the wood's available again. Yeah. Any people you'd like to give a shout out to that were particularly helpful or inspiring in your journey? Oh, well, so um, both Phil Kutchma and Kim Morquay have been um, really good, um, helpful resources of information. Kim Morquay is almost a mentor at this point. So um, Kim, Kim is with Spinnaker Real Estate. Mm -hmm. right. And of course, Phil Kuchma has his own Kuchma um, development company. Yeah. And I think both are, you know, they're both such great supporters of the arts and they're both really invested in seeing the nest stay in Bridgeport and thrive in Bridgeport. And so, you know, both were happy to answer my, you know, crazy questions. Um, some of the people at the building department, Arvin Kika has just been really amazing. He's been so unbelievably helpful with every question, every problem, every everything um, that we've had to, to go through. Yeah. Um, and then the new owner of the building, um, you know, Corporation. Yeah, the new owner of the building is, um, it's a couple, it's um, a couple of guys, um, Michael Villani and, and Douglas Hartman, they bought the building, um, they live in New York, and Douglas is an artist, and they are both um, so committed to the idea of this building being an arts building, to being an arts community, they both love Bridgeport, um, so I think all together, you know, like the whole thing is just a great team effort. Mm-hmm. That's, that's tremendous. Um, if you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County with our October edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our topic is the new Nest, the move of the Nest Arts Factory, one of five artist spaces in Bridgeport into a new home. With me are Jane Davila, Managing Director of The Nest, and two of the artists, Rick Schaefer and John Torres. So let's uh, look forward now. First, let's talk a little bit more about the neighborhood. Um, where exactly is The New Nest? Uh, who, are your, who are your new neighbors? I know, John, you called out Brewport. That's, <laughs> I guess, a positive um, uh, new neighbor. Um, yeah, Root, Root, Rootsman Kitchen, though, also for the Jamaican beef patties. That's uh, going to be a, 
that's going to be key. <laughs> so uh, how do we find you? How, how, when the nest is open, where, where, where are you? Um, the, the new building is on Railroad Avenue. It's between Park Avenue and Myrtle Avenue. And it will be, um, it will not be open probably for another few months. Um, and obviously will not be open to the public, um, at least until the spring. Um, we hope to do a virtual opening, a virtual ribbon cutting um, as soon as we get our certificate of occupancy and get everybody moved over, but that will be a little while yet. <laughs> right. So um, and some of our neighbors, like we're really close to Seaside Park. Um, we're between Housatonic and UB, um, and I'm really looking forward to collaborating with both of those entities in the future. Um, you know, this, I've talked to some of the people at, um, at Housatonic about um, getting some interns uh, working with the artists, um, which I think could be a really cool collaboration, um, doing some exhibits. When the Freeman Center moves um, you know, into the area and, and their renovations are completed, um, we're looking forward to collaborating with them as well. Seaside Park is right down the road. Um, and in fact, every time I've been at the building, I've seen the famous Bridgeport parrots in the tree in the backyard at the new building. <laughs> um, and we haven't mentioned the, uh, the expanded size of the gallery that's space that's going to be in the building. So mm. that's exciting. Yeah, that's right. It's going from about 350 square feet to 1,250 square feet. Ground floor is going to be much more easily accessible. And that will be a space that will be um, something that we can use for performances, but will also be a commercial gallery, art gallery. So do you feel you are somewhat closer to downtown? You're just across the highway, right, from whatever, wherever the border of um, downtown is. And it sounds <laughs> as if, um, sorry? Just a few blocks. Yeah. So it sounds as if uh, you, you just, in terms of, uh, your location being closer to many other um, arts spaces, you will that will um, generate um, a whole bunch of new activity, new interaction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to doing um, a lot of collaborations with the different um, organizations in and near the downtown. We've been talking with John at Monger's Market about doing an art and design event with them. Um, yeah, and you know, of course, City Lights. One of my greatest pleasures when there are art openings downtown is when they all happen to fall on the same evening. It's actually really cool to come to downtown Bridgeport and kind of gallery hop from gallery to gallery and go to the different openings and then um, grab a bite to eat in one of the great restaurants. And so when the world opens again and we can do things like that again, we would hope that the, um, the new gallery will be part of that rotation as well. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so, um, John and, um, and Rick, anything about this new particular neighborhood that you, uh, that you're looking forward to? That's uh, a shift. I was looking forward to being closer to PKN, but now you guys are up, upping sticks and moving <laughs> a couple further away. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak to the South end just has a, a charm to it that, um, I, I find very appealing. So many sections of Bridgeport are amazing. I live in the West End and the house built in 1900 and I love it there. I loved my house. Uh, actually, this, the house that I lived on the South End on Black Rock Avenue was a P.T. Barnum built house. It was his tobacconist's, oh, really? it was his tobacconist's house. He brought uh -huh. him over from Europe as a tobacconist. Can you imagine the, uh, 
<laughs> to do that, have a tobacconist, the guy that rolls your cigars. Anyways, just that, that whole area though is just dripping with like culture and history. Um, and and I'm, I'm, beyond that also just the salt air, you just get a little bit more of the, I'm on the coast feeling when you're in the South end. So I'm excited about that. That's great. So I wonder if you have now, it's, it's clear that you've really been distracted if that's the word, by just all of the mechanics over a period of three years of actually getting this physical space together. Uh, but now it's beginning to be a real reality. Um, I gather, Jane, artists have been um, moving in and developing their, painting their spaces. Is that right? Is it yeah, so part of our project has included a sweat equity component. And so the artists have been invited, if they choose, to come and work on what will be their new spaces. Um, so we can't work when the tradesmen are there, so we tend to work on Saturdays. And things like um, the outer brick walls, the inside of the brick walls in our studios um, needed uh, painting, caulking around the new windows, a uh, little weather stripping is happening. And so um, the artists, we've had a really good group of artists in pretty much every Saturday since the end of May. And some of the spaces look like they're pretty much done at this point and you could almost move in. No doors, no electricity, but you know, we're getting closer and it, it feels really good. It's a really good kind of preview of what it will be like when the building is populated and we're there. Right, so have you been thinking then now, um, you, you're really being able to envision um, what this place will, will be like, but also the impact it will have the impact on individual artists, on um, just the, if you like, the brand of the nest, and then on the neighborhood and on Bridgeport, because it does sound as if you really are making a new beginning. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I live in the South End. I live about three blocks away from the building in another old corset factory. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm loving the idea that the building is here and that it's going to bring, you know, vibrancy and life and culture, more culture to the neighborhood. Uh, a lot of the artists offer workshops. Um, people offer workshops in musical instruction and art instruction. And so we're looking forward to, you know, residents in the area coming in and taking those workshops. We're looking forward to the residents in the area visiting us during open studios. And I've had three years to plan events in this building. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready the second we're open. <laughs> I have so many ideas that have just been sitting and waiting. So, <laughs> so you're, um, you can, I think you mentioned um, showing movies, uh, having, having musical concerts, you uh, having gallery, gallery shows. Yes, so all, it, all of those um, things. We'll it's, have, sounding, it's sounding as if it'll be almost like an art center. Yes, exactly. And we'll have outdoor space, which we've never had before. So we have a small back uh, patio area. Well, it's, it's weeds right now, but you have to use your imagination. Right. It's going to be fabulous when we're done. <laughs> that I could see doing, you know, like acoustic concerts outside or poetry readings and it kind of in the garden, the parrots are in the trees, the flowers are in the garden. Um, so again, using imagination, I think it will be a really, a really vibrant space. Um, and I think it's something that the South End needs. And if anybody out there um, is a restaurateur 
we need more restaurants in the South End. I think that um, that's that's some. There's a few here, but there certainly is opportunity for a lot more around here. And you probably will be something of a magnet, um, as people are aware of um, not only just the artists being there, but also a, a, a new public that would be that will be coming to the, the nest. Yeah, we're really excited about the public kind of seeing the neighborhood as well and seeing how beautiful it is and how close the beach is. It's one of the most beautiful beaches in the whole state. And it's right here. And it's, it's just absolutely stunning. So um, what do your, do you have any, I guess the calendar, it's, it's difficult to talk about the calendar with COVID. Um, I'm just wondering what your current plans are, um, the state's uh, continuing its reopening rules and guidance. Um, how does all that affect how you allow artists to work? I mean, first, I guess the first step will be um, artists moving in. And so are there any restrictions or guidelines in terms of um, when and how artists can come in and start working in their studios? I think we'll probably continue our current practice. So when the state locked down, our building remained open to the artists, not to the public, but to the artists. And a few of them availed themselves of their studios. A lot of other people, a lot of us were really nervous about, you know, even going outside to throw away garbage. Nobody knew what was going on with the virus. But there's a, there's a much um, deeper level of comfort now when people come to the studios, the, the artists come to the studios. We have followed CDC guidelines, and we have enacted rules where in the public spaces, so in the hallways, the restrooms, et cetera, people have to wear masks. Which, what that means is that you are as safe in your own studio as you are at home, because nobody else is in your studio. Right. And that space, to get to the space, you are protected by everybody else's masks. We have um, a hand sanitizer station, extra masks, everything. The building is not open to the public, although the artists can and are encouraged to make um, appointments with collectors or, or visitors to see their art if they choose to do that. And we're actually going to be doing the art trail the same way. Our art trail, um, which is coming up in November. Um, right, could you, um, just as you mentioned it, could you just tell our audience uh, about the Bridgeport Art Trail for those who don't know about it? and how it's going to be different this year, what the plans are. Yeah, so as far as I know, um, you know, I know what we're doing and I know some of what, the, what else is going on. So typically the art trail is held the second weekend in November and 41 to 42 venues take part in it. And it's open to everybody and, you know, to come to visit and it's combinations of music and poetry and art and dance and, you know, all of the arts. And it's a, it's a really grand celebration. This year is really different, obviously, we all know that. So we're all struggling and trying to figure out how we can do this. And we've been watching some of the other arts venues around the country and what they've uh, done. And so the art trail in Bridgeport this year is going to be a full 10 days. So it's starting in early November and it's going all the way through November 15th. And, and I think that gives us more opportunity to have a lot more um, activities and venues spread out and and since a lot of it will be online it also means that the people who are visiting the art trail as it were are not sitting in front of their computer for the entire time it's kind of spread out of the spread the wealth of riches out a little bit more Um, Suzanne at City Lights who is the director of the art trail as well 
is planning a number of in-person events. And I know that um, buildings like American Fabrics are doing appointments where people can come in and see it. it. It is very hard, even with the, we're moving into phase three of the reopening, to, to have um, public in our spaces and still feel safe, have the public feel safe and have the artists feel safe. Yes. So we made the decision as a group, we did a poll um, and we decided that we are not open to the public but we have developed a very robust online program that will be both Saturday and Sunday, November 14th and 15th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. both days. Um, John and his band, uh, he and Scott will be performing on Saturday at 6 p.m. on the 14th. Um, so it will be a, a streaming performance, which means that you can be in your house with your own adult beverages and watch this amazing performance. <laughs> um, Rick Reyes will be performing at 6 o'clock on Sunday. And then every half an hour, both days, we will have all sorts of really great things. We'll have studio tours and studio talks and arts demonstrations and arts discussions and musical discussions. So we're going to be putting that out on um, a variety of platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and Zoom. Um, and the hub will be our website so that people can check there and, and see what they want to see. We're limiting the content to about 10 minutes at a, at a time. So there'll be like these bite-sized bits of art that you can get all day long. You can kind of tune into the ones you're really interested in. We'll be archiving it so people can go back to it later. But the, the really cool thing is that the visitors will be able to interact with the artists during their segment. So they'll be able to post comments and the artists will be there to answer their questions or tell them more about something that the viewers might be interested in. And so we're trying to make it as interactive as we possibly can. So this really will be a launch. Um, you will be launching with the Bridgeport Art Trail. Uh, and um, so remind, well, we're, close, we're closing it. We're the end of the art trail. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And remind us of the dates of your um, our part of the art trail will be November 14th and 15th, which is a Saturday and a Sunday. So as I said, that, that will sort of a, effectively mark your, the launch of, of the nest, right? It will, yeah, will definitely be our, our first like full-throated approach into this digital world. And I think that this will be something that we will incorporate forever more going forward. There will be a digital component to every event that we do from now on. That's great. And will the artists, ha will some of the artists have moved in by then or? No, no we're months yeah. away still. So oh, we'll still be in our current space. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're out of time. I want to thank you very much, uh, Jane, uh, Rick and John for being with us. Um, thank you. Very, very exciting. So um, we're looking forward. <laughs> I guess it'll be next year before we actually can walk the halls and uh, see the great events that you're putting on. But um, this is really whetting our appetites, I think, for this, this uh, new creation of yours. So, so thank you all. I can't wait to share it with everyone. Same this, here. So yeah. this is uh, David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You have been listening to our October edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our topic was the new nest. The move of Bridgeport's Nest Arts Factory 
one of five artist spaces in Bridgeport, into a new home. I want to thank our guests, Jane Davila, Managing Director of The Nest, and two of the artists, Rick Schaefer and jo John Torres. Thank you all. If you missed part of the broadcast, or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in Monday, November the 9th for the next edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture. <laughs>